Good evening, Mavs fans. It's Kirk Henderson coming to you once again with another episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Good news tonight. My guest is me. I have no guest. I'm talking to myself. I had attempted to come up with a number of guests tonight, and every single person fell through. Why did they fall through, you ask? Because it's Christmas. And then Christmas Eve, when other guests fell through, it's like people want to spend time with their families and not podcast about the Mavericks. But here's the thing about me. It's 11.30 on Christmas night. My entire family is asleep, and I am not quite ready to go to bed. After not thinking about basketball for something like 24 hours, I decided to tune back in. And you know, folks, if uh, if you like listening to me at all, I, I really appreciate that. And I wanted to give you a little something after a few-day break from Maverick Basketball. Essentially, what I had hoped to do was talk with somebody about what sort of gifts we could give various Mavericks players. And I don't mean something, you know, funny or something off the off the shelf, something ridiculous. If we could choose to help the Mavericks improve one or a specific Maverick improve one thing about their game this year, what that thing would be. Uh, it's a 15-man roster and then Rick Carlisle, so I think I'm going to kind of fly through these because certain players, it's really pretty obvious. Um, I'd like to start with J.J. Barea. Now, J.J. Barea has not spent much time uh, playing games this season. He's been a key guy off the bench. And really, the only thing that the Mavericks and really what Berea can hope for this year is the opportunity to get to, to, get to shine a little more. Uh, he's played in over 800 career games. There's really not much left in the tank. I think it's really confused uh, fans that he hasn't played more as Luka Doncic has been out. But, it, you know, he's really Rick Carlisle's break glass and in case of uh, emergency kind of guy. And, you know, he's only played seven games so far. He's averaging, you know, a little under 14 minutes. His uh, field goal percentage isn't necessarily great. He's shooting a something hysterical like 55% from three, uh, which, you know, is just not something that's going to stand up over the course of time. So I really think the only thing that, uh, that a guy like Berea could hope for is more playing time. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's really going to get that. I think that his, his value is kind of assistant coach slash mentor is really important to the Mavericks, so they probably won't use him unless they absolutely need him. Uh, the next guy on my list is uh, is Courtney Lee. Now, Courtney Lee has had a little bit of an interesting season. You know, like Barea, he's only played, he's actually played uh, one more game, Barea, in eight, uh, he's played eight total games. He's actually played fewer minutes. Uh, his point totals, pretty much everything across the board for him is, is, uh, you know, pretty poor. He's shooting a, a, a absolutely ridiculous 58% from the three-point line. But that's, uh, you know, he's only taken, you know, 12 total shots from three this year. Um, a guy like Kim, I think what he can hope for is that he hangs around at the Mavs. That's the thing he's probably wishing for and what would help him this Christmas. Uh, there, you know, he seems to be the easiest guy to include in all trade conversations because he is an expiring deal at a pretty good dollar figure. But I think it's it's been a little bit underreported about how important he is to the actual uh, Maverick team. Um, he's, you know, he's, he seems to be a guy who's big and clapping off the bench and, you know, he, he, 
he seems to be a little bit of a glue guy for the Mavericks in a way that's not really been properly contextualized yet. The Mavericks have only played 29 games. I think if he sticks around up to the trade deadline and then beyond, we'll start to see more stories about how Courtney Lee is just really important to kind of the cohesion in the Mavs bench uh, and really the locker room in general. He's one of the older guys there, which is uh, really starting to say something. Uh, the next guy on the Mavericks uh, uh, Christmas uh, wish list for me, uh, I had uh, Boban Marjanovic. And, you know, he. if you guys can't tell a sense of theme here, I'm really going through the low minutes, low games guys first. Uh, Boban, I'd really like to see more often. Uh, I think he is a really big change of pace. I know that... He's just not good guarding in space, and teams will look to pull him away from the basket. But there have been a few occasions this year where his just sheer size would have done more to, uh, you know, kind of impede rebounding, particularly on some of these free throw rebounds that the Mavericks have lost in key situations. So I, you know, I'd like to see, I'd like to see the the coaching staff kind of dust off more of a role for him than every, you know, fifth or sixth game. There, there are plenty of matchups, you know, in the Western Conference where Boban can give you, you know, five to twelve minutes, you know, here and there, and that will really help, uh, you know, his confidence. And and I think he can really contribute a lot to the team. Um, I'd also like to see the guy shoot a three pointer. You know, he he hit. Uh, uh, last season, he shot 50% from the line. It wasn't uh, it wasn't on that many attempts. He was a four of eight, but you know he's got really nice touch for such a huge human being. So you know he's he's really one guy that I would like to see more of. Um, the next guy on my Mavericks Christmas wish list is uh, is is Justin Jackson. Um, I'm not a Justin Jackson fan, and that being Christmas holiday, it's probably one of these opportunities where I should really, you know, bite my tongue. Um, so for Christmas, I'm going to wish that he is given the gift of of realizing he is a six foot nine human being. Um, Jackson is a package of skills and athletic traits. And there's a reason Kings fans were fine to move on from him. There's a reason that he has been replaced, at least in the recent rotation with Ryan Brokoff. He does not use the things that he has. He has a really interesting off-the-dribble game, but he avoids contact. And he doesn't rebound very well. He also is really atrocious defensively for somebody who's that big. Uh, he gets beat off the dribble, which, you know, is not really that big of a deal in the modern NBA, but he should be better. He should use his length more. Uh, he should have better instincts by this point in his career, but it's just not come to fruition for him. So, you know, if I were uh, uh, wishing a Christmas gift for him, it would be, you know, to realize that he actually is a, a, a package of skills and size, and he should be getting more out of those things. Uh, my next player is Dwight Powell. Uh, if I was to give Dwight Powell basketball Christmas wish, uh, or gift rather, it would be, uh, you know, slightly better free throw shooting. Um, Powell is, you know, he's a really interesting guy. He's a really interesting player. His game has really blossomed under Rick Carlisle. Last year, he was an elite rim roller. This year, he has been up and down. I would say he's improved the last several uh, weeks, uh, which has helped Dallas a lot. 
he gets to the or this season he's getting to the line you know just about two and a half times a game which isn't great but he's shooting a like a career eh. he's shooting 62 percent from the line which be which would be his second war am i reading that right it would uh, it would be his it would be his worst it would be his worst free throw percentage since he's been in the NBA, which is really saying something considering, you know the guy's been around a lot. He normally shoots last year he shot a whopping seventy seven percent from the uh, free throw line, which was really helpful for the Mavericks even though they weren't that great down the stretch. Ah, sorry guys, had to take a little drink of water talking for. Uh, Eight straight minutes is not something I'm great at. Um, yeah, free throw, free throws for for Dwight Powell. He he's you know he, he, I complain about him a lot, but he's a pretty important cog in the offense. So that would be uh, you know my Christmas wish for him. Up next, I suppose I would have uh, looks like on my list here I have Jalen Brunson. Now Jalen Brunson has had a really fascinating uh, sophomore year. His game log is the sort of thing where He's not playing early, and then as Lucas got hurt, he's really assumed this kind of massive minutes role. He's been pretty much the driver of the Dallas offense since Lucas's been out. You know, obviously it's not fair to expect the same level of production from him. But, he, you know, he's ran the team fairly well, and I suppose if I was to be able to give him, you know, something to, to work on to benefit from in terms of a Christmas uh, gift uh, heading into the second half of the, or I'm sorry, the the s remaining um, games of the season, it would be kind of a uh, renewed confidence in the fourth quarter. The Mavericks just finished a five-game stretch in which they went two and three, and there were oppor there were real opportunities for them to go four and one. And the two two games that they really you know struggled were the was the end of the Miami game. And then the end of their most recent contest um, against the Raptors, where the Mavericks were up 30 and then simply went cold, got timid. And, you know, in both of uh, both of those games, Jalen Brunson, he made he made key key mistakes. There's really no other way around it. Now, he is he was recently named something like the college basketball player of the decade after winning a pair of uh, national championships at uh, Villa, uh, Villanova, he, he has the pedigree. The guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to play basketball. He's simply, you know, the pressure and the length and the athleticism, there's a number of things that lead into the mistakes that, that uh, Brunson made in those games. I believe in Brunson, and I think that these are learning experiences for him. I bet in, in both games no one was harder on him than he was on himself. So those are, you know, uh, that's really what I would hope for him is that, you know, following this performance, walking away from that 30-point uh, comeback loss to the, to the Raptors, that he can walk away understanding the mistakes that he made and uh, continue to progress, play aggressively, and hopefully, you know, come out as a better player for the Mavericks. Next player I have on my list is Tim Hardaway Jr., what do you get the man that has everything? Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. doesn't have everything, but I doubt we could tell him that. This is a man who has unending confidence and has played a really interesting season of basketball for the Dallas Mavericks in 2019-2020. I think the only thing that we could bestow or hope for from him 
in terms of a Christmas gift and in, in heading into the final, you know, 50-something games of the season is an inkling of defensive awareness. Uh, folks, he is bad on defense. We understand that. We deal with it because his ability to pop off for five threes and a quarter uh, is particularly helpful for the Mavericks, uh, you know, when Luka is out and, and you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be Tim Hardaway Jr. Expecting defensive prowess from him is probably stupid, but at best we could hope for defensive competency, which in you know a lot of the games this season he has displayed none. Uh, which you know you you live with what you get. He ha- he's been very important in Mavericks wins and in some losses he's been particularly devastating. So hopefully we can hope for more from him. Uh, my next player on my list, I had uh, planned to split this in two uh, with Josh Bowe and I doing a pair of podcasts, but I'm just going to talk to myself into the void and see how long I can get away with it. My next player and last player on the first portion of my list is Luka Doncic. Now, what do you give the guy who is is a, is an MVP candidate? Uh, you know, he's up to 29 points. He's hitting, uh, or he's grabbing 9.6 rebounds a game and 8.9 assists. Uh, his his shooting percentages, really, that's the only thing you can hope for. So the guy's shooting 58% from, or I'm sorry, 48% from the field. Uh, and he's somehow only shooting 30, uh, just below 33% from three. The way Luka improves his game, and it may not happen this year, I do think it will happen eventually given the kind of leap that he's made this year, is improving that three-point percentage. Now, I don't know what a realistic percentage is from Luka. I think that he is such a threat. You know, even at 33%, he's enough of a threat to where teams will occasionally try to send doubles to him off of pick and rolls, and really in, in some situations without pick and rolls and all. So... At best, I suppose, hoping that he becomes a 36 to 37% three-point shooter would be really amazing. If he could go on a stretch uh, where he shoots much better from three, which he has done already once this season, it's really going to open up the Mavericks' offense even more. Uh, you know, He's definitely the guy who has so many skills that it's really hard to, to you know, uh, complain too much about how he's played because like I said he's a 20 year old MVP candidate all right up next is what was supposed to be the second part of a podcast but again as I'm podcasting by myself I'm just going to plow right through it I had Ryan Brokoff leading up the second group of uh, Mavericks players what I would hope for in terms of a uh, Christmas gift for for Brokoff in the final 50 games of the season is really just more opportunities Brokoff shooting something preposterous like 53% from three-point land, but he's only playing eight. He's only played in eight games. He hasn't gotten that many looks. He's really shot. He's only shot 15 threes this season. Um, he's been really helpful the past two games uh, against the Raptors, and then before that, I can't remember who the Mavericks. Oh, against uh, the Sixers, he was really outstanding. Uh, hit three for seven from three-point land. He hit one in the tail end of the Boston game during junk, uh, during, during you know, basically when, when the game was decided. And I think his effort really must have showed Rick Carlisle something because, as mentioned previously, he has essentially stolen uh, the minutes out from um, 
who does he take here, uh, out from Justin Jackson. So, you know, I just hope he gets a few more opportunities to play. I'm not sure he can ever really hold his own defensively, but the Mavericks kind of zone defensive schemes and how they get cross-matched and switched everything on pick and rolls. I just don't see the harm. He plays a lot harder than Justin Jackson. He battles harder for boards. So, you know, it's. It, it, I would rather, you know, see somebody who's trying hard. So that's about all he can really hope for. Um, the next guy is someone who's really interesting uh, for the Mavericks this year. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith is a guy who I am fairly on the record in as not believing in. Now, to date, in 2019-2020, he's proven me wrong. He's extremely valuable to the Mavericks. He is is so... All the you know plus-minus stats and, and taking an aggregate, he's just one of the Mavericks' more useful players, despite some of his percentages. And if I could choose to improve, you know, give him a gift or, or you know, whatever we're talking about here in terms of things that he can prove upon, you know, in the, in the next portion of the season, I'd really hope that he can work on his pass placement. That might sound silly. But he has been taking the ball off the dribble more and more as the year progresses. He has a lot of confidence, and I like the confidence. I like his willingness to put the ball on the floor and to attack the rim. Uh, but there have been times where he is you know, driving and dishing, and the guy just can't put the ball anywhere near the various shooters need to catch it. There have been a couple of times when, in key situations where he drives all the way to the lane, he notices the defensive pressure coming, and then uh, he kicks it out only to like kick it out towards someone's ankles or throw such a wildly off pass that it doesn't get where it's supposed to go. Now, that's a learned skill. That's something that takes a lot of practice. And, you know, Finney Smith has shown the ability to improve his game over time to the point to where he is a starter on a, what I am now considering to be a fringe contender. So hopefully these are the sort of skill, you know, that's the sort of skill that he could work on with practice because, you know, the Mavericks have such an interesting offense where I want him to continue to drive. I think it's valuable. It, it creates another threat the defense has to, you know, be aware of. He might not be a great three-point shooter, but if he's willing to shoot and if he's willing to drive, that means someone has to be paying attention to him. Uh, the next guy on the list is someone who, uh, you know, I think we all kind of expected more out of this year and what, you know, the Mavericks can hope for for Seth Curry in the next portion of the season has to be better three-point shooting. Uh, to date, he's shooting 40% which isn't bad. It's certainly not bad. I mean, it's probably the best on the team uh, in terms of percentage. However, it's really surprising that he is, you know, frankly, not been better. Uh, he is a career 43% three-point shooter. And, you know, three percentage points, you're going to say, well, Kirk, you know, when you look at the total number of three-point shots, he shot something like, you know, 115 on the year, get enough volume, he's going he's gonna to inch that up, which is really likely only going to be, you know, another 100 shots, so he might hit four or five more shots over the course of the year, something like that. I've just been surprised at the kind of shots he's taking and the kind of shots he's making. He seems to be much more comfortable off the dribble than he is off the catch, which just, you know, I know the Currys have some kind of interesting ball handlers in their family, but, you know, Seth and uh, Steph are not particularly great with the ball. They turn it over 
enough to be really confusing. Uh, you know, Seth in particular just has a little bit of a sloppy handle, and he's getting these looks being created by an offense, and he's not connected enough. Now, it takes like two games of shooting above 50% to really change my mind for good. Shooting 40% from, from three is outstanding in, in, in big picture terms, so I probably shouldn't complain. However, I just, I expected, I don't know. There, there have just been games this year where I've expected more. He's come on late. He played really well in Mexico City. I think that he needs, you know, he needs 20 minutes uh, and then time uh, and, and opportunities to get shots off. There have just been far too many games this year where he hasn't, you know, he's shot in like three times. That doesn't make any sense. So I would like for him to improve his, uh, you know, to kind of fall back into form on his three-point shooting and really up his volume. That would be that would be the gift I would hope that, that he would get. Okay, next guy on the list is DeLon Wright. And if I could give DeLon Wright one thing for Christmas, it would be a willingness to shoot the friggin' basketball. That guy is so interesting. His statistical profile is really is is really fascinating for for a guy who's not seen a ton of minutes over time. I can see why the Mavericks wanted to sign him. He doesn't need the ball. He does a lot of interesting things per game. His his you know per game stats. He's shooting you know he's only seven points, three assists, three rebounds. He's getting a steal and a half, which is really something. And he doesn't turn the ball over very much. He's very much a Rick Carlisle-style player in that he can take care of the ball. But I do want him to have more confidence to fire away. He has, if you, if you watch him in the bench unit sometimes, you will see him get the ball on kickouts. And he pump fakes nothing. And then drives into traffic and will occasionally just get lost. Now, there's other times where he's just been outstanding. Again, his game log, he has a few 20-point games where he's, you know, arguably been the most important Maverick not named Luka Doncic. So, there's something there. He just needs to find a level of consistency in his play that will help him as, as the season moves along. Up next, I have Maxi Kleba. And, you know, Maxi is really the kind of guy where I, I wish I would have had someone else to talk to on this podcast because... I've been looking at the guy's game logs and looking at his per game averages and looking at his advanced stats. And for what the Mavericks need, he is literally doing everything. So I'm not clear what he could be better at. In fact, I'm almost concerned after looking at a lot of the data that he might be due for just a bit of a statistical slip. And I'm wondering how that might hurt or, you know, hurt the Mavericks or affect them in certain situations. He has, you know, he's rebounding better. He's shooting the three better. He is, uh, you know, he's more efficient in his time. It's it's kind of incredible. He's playing a career high in minutes. He is shooting the ball better than he ever has. I guess I guess he kind of shot better his rookie season, but his three point percentage uh, has steadily climbed from thirty one to thirty five to thirty eight. If he continues to shoot thirty eight percent from the three point line, guys. He's going to be viewed as one of the biggest bargains in the NBA. I would like to see him shoot some more threes, I think. He's shooting three and a half. I would like to see that up to like five. I don't mind the volume. He's a threat. And, you know, with the way that teams guard him, the way Joel Embiid guarded him uh, before Christmas, he, he's clearly enough of a three-point threat to where he can put the ball on the floor. And he's an interesting kind of... Uh, you know, I don't want to call him a shot 
creator, but when he attacks the rim, he draws attention. He gets fouled. He has ups. He's a really interesting guy. So he's one of the few people on my entire list that I really don't think I can I can ask for more from him. He 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 doesn't really need anything for Christmas, guys. He's been that good. Um, next, I have oh man, I have my guy Chris Depps Porzingis, and you know KP. All I really want from him is to make some shots. Uh, he has games where he does very well, but then he has other games where his shot. Somebody pointed this out to me. I cannot remember who. His shot is so hard that when and he does it with he shoots with a lot of arm, frankly, that when that shot isn't dead in line, it hits the rim and then sometimes the backboard with such force that it just flies off. Uh, he doesn't have great arc for for you know a guy who's that tall and why would he? You know, Dirk was an uh, anomaly. So I think what I would hope for from him is just that he figures out that shooting touch because his free throw percentage, his field goal percentage, his three-point percentage, all of these things so far with the Mavericks are below uh, basically almost at career lows across the board, which is shocking considering I believe we would all feel he's played pretty well i think he's going to particularly in 2019 2020 he's going to his statistical profile is going to suffer from having been so you know he just he didn't really play great in the first 10 to 15 games and those things will uh essentially stick with you over time i believe that he can get his two-point field goal percentage up i absolutely believe he can get his free throw percentage up shooting a, a career low 73 percent from the line when prior to the season, he shot, you know, he was an 80% per three-point shooter with the Knicks. A 7% dip is is really strange. Uh, and, I, and I believe he can correct those things. I think I absolutely feel that way over time. That's the sort of, uh, sort of thing that, that, you know, you can, you can, you get enough volume. I think it, it ends up taking care of itself. Uh, and then that lastly leaves um, Rick Carlisle. What do you get the guy who seems, you know, just grumpy about everything? Actually, you know, Rick's been fantastic this year. I am quick to criticize him, I believe. Uh, just kind of my nature. I don't think I'd ever actually criticize him to his face. The last time I was a credentialed media person in like 2014, I was here in D.C. and I went to a practice and I didn't notice that all the other media had left the floor since practice was about to start. And he asked me what I was doing in there. And I was nursing like a five alarm hangover and just could not read the room. And he just, he didn't yell at me, but he gave me the look and was essentially like, you need to leave. And that was when it dawned on me that any, any of the other media members who had been there prior had stepped out and I just wasn't paying attention. Um, so... I suppose what I would, would hope for, for for Rick is is a continued patience uh, with the media. <laughs> you know, he's done a heck of a job coaching. Frankly, I, I think he is, if the Mavericks win, you know, 48 games, then he would end up uh, with, uh, I think he's going to be a strong coach of the year candidate. I'm not sure he's going to win. I'm one of these people who believes the Western Conference is still so much better than the Eastern Conference, so it doesn't necessarily uh, work out 
because, you know, Spolestra in the East, if Miami ends up being a top three seed, is probably going to be a shoe-in, even though I believe they have an easier path. Um, so, yeah, that's where we are. So, guys, this has uh, been, you know, Kirk Henderson coming to you with uh, Kirk, your enthusiasm. I've been by myself. I've been trying to offer some 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 basketball Christmas gifts to the Mavericks as they head into the the next portion of their season. You know, they came on. They they played the Raptors on Sunday afternoon, suffered a truly horrendous loss, and have now had three days to think about it. We should hear more. Uh, if you're listening to this at all on the, the morning of the 26th, we should probably know by 3 or 4 o'clock if Luca is going to play. I don't know if he's going to play. I don't know if it's a good idea. The Spurs are such a mess. And I, I, I just, I don't know. I think getting his feet wet against San Antonio is probably a good idea. They play Golden State on Saturday. They have a couple of opportunities to work Luca back into the mix. You know, Casey Smith and that that team of trainers knows way more about this than they'll ever probably share publicly. So if if Luca decides to play, you should feel confident that everybody signed off on him. Uh, As always, guys, I appreciate the uh, support. Please like, uh, you know, share, review, uh, you know, tell Josh and uh, Coop that they need to do more podcasts because, frankly, you know, we like talking about Mavs and it's a good time for everybody. Uh, once again, thank you very much. This has been Kirk Henderson with Kirk, your enthusiasm. Everyone have a good, you know, uh, day after Christmas. 